Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening from. It's Blake Sorensen and Justin Dunbar back with another episode of the Inside Leverage podcast. We got a lot to talk about today. We have our AFC East, as you can see by my Josh Allen jersey. We have offseason previews for the AFC East, which is one of the most interesting divisions in football going into next year, in my opinion. We also have some insane draft rankings that we just got to bring up. Everybody's talking about them, so I wanted to go ahead and give our opinions there. And then also, um, a lot of cuts have been going around. This is no surprise. It was bound to happen. You got to clear up some salary cap. But Kyle Van Noy was a very interesting cut that happened, so we're going to be getting into that a little bit. And then, relatively breaking news. I think this happened a couple hours ago, maybe, so it's not breaking, breaking but Big Ben has went ahead and restructured his contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not surprised by this. Justin isn't surprised by this. We saw this coming for a while now. But if you at home are a little bit surprised, Justin, you said you have a little bit more insight into kind of what's going on here. So can you can you let us know what's going on with the restructure? Yeah, I mean, this is all kind of developing. The early signs are it's like uh, $14 million less than cap it. Ironically, um, just going to say like that's almost probably the exact amount it's going to take to sign Juju. Um, and I know that Ben wants that. So keep an eye on that. But yeah, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Pittsburgh's still over the cap. If not, they're pretty much at that limit. Um, I mean, this was essentially the Steelers saying, hey, you can come back, but like we're not paying you what you're like think you're getting. And this is the final year of his contract, right? He doesn't have another year going off of this where he's going to have some $60 million cap hit next year. No, and like maybe they add some like a void year, some like push this like somewhat, but I'm pretty sure this is it for him. Like I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's some Drew Brees stuff in here where it's like he's still like they have to carry over some dead cap when he's retired, mm-hmm. but most of it's probably in this year. Okay, yeah. So just a little insight onto that Big Ben restructure. Again, it's what Pittsburgh probably had to do if they even want to be able to, you know, acquire anything in this free agency. So that's kind of the note there. Now we'll go ahead and move into Kyle Van Noy being cut by the Dolphins. My first response when I heard this was kind of like, what the hell? What's going on here? And then I thought about it, and I don't really understand why they brought him in to start. That's where my main concern is. But even then, it's not really a concern, right? So front office, they bring him in. I think it was a four-year, like $60 million. Am I putting too much money into that? Yeah, it was like four years, 51, 50, okay. somewhere in that range. $51 million, somewhere around that. It made sense-ish. You know, Brian Flores bringing over kind of that linebacker or uh, quarterback of that defense from the Patriots. It made some sense at the time. Last year, though, Van Noy didn't exactly produce the way he did in 2019. And really, it made a lot of sense if you looked at it because they used him incorrectly to where Kyle Van Noy had his best career season. So let's go ahead and look at this. Miami, 2020, 245 pass rush snaps, 255 coverage snaps. He had six sacks and 22 quarterback hurries. Awesome there. Then we look at 2018 uh, New England season, right? Kyle Van Noy, solid player, but nothing great that's popping off the screen. 290 pass rush snaps, 349 coverage snaps, three and a half sacks, 25 hurries. That's a lot more close to what they probably thought we were getting. Now we look at 2019, that season that he had with the Patriots, which was really his kind of career year there. He had 449 pass rush snaps to only 86 coverage snaps, six and a half sacks, 42 hurries, 
in his highest PFF grade of his career. Now, look, obviously, if he's taking more pass rush snaps, he's probably going to get more sacks and hurries. But the thing that stood out to me, thank you, PFF, because I do appreciate you guys sometimes. He clearly had the best season of his career last year when he was being predominantly used as more of a rusher instead of this traditional, maybe I'm dropping back to into coverage. Maybe I'm getting after the passer. Only 86 coverage snaps is kind of crazy for a guy who is thought of as potentially an inside linebacker. So a very interesting move by the Dolphins. I don't mind it at all, though, because if they realized, hey, this is how we want to use him. He wasn't great with how we used him. They cut him and they freed up like $9 million. I have it right here. Frees up $9.5 million in salary. And you only got this guy for one year. Overall, you you can question the signing of them bringing him in. And it cost them a lot of money last year. But great job by the Dolphins of, of cutting ties and not not buying into that sunken cost fallacy. I thought it was great for them. I mean, can we really say, like, celebrate them, though? Like, you literally signed a guy to play a role that he previously sucked in. He sucked or he wasn't very good in it. And then you just cut him. Like, what was the point from the beginning? We can't give front offices at the same time credit for, like, making the bad decision in the first place. Like, I, I get the point. Like, hey, like, you know, no sunk cost theory while you have, like, the Texans restructuring David Johnson to, like, keep him in town. But why did you sign him in the first place? And honestly, like, why didn't you just, like, I don't know. If it, I mean, I can't speak here. But, like, I mean, you kind of, like, need pass like your password isn't good anyway maybe you should have had Kyle Vanoy you know rushing the passer a little more from the beginning I, I like I think too often we're like fans like celebrate like look at this great move like cutting ties and it's like well, why did you sign him in the first place that is true but with the Dolphins I think the one thing we talk about and, and you talk about more of it in media is adaptability and you know they jacked up they screwed up but I am okay with them Looking back on it, but it's a ter- like it's not a it's, they shouldn't have been surprised by this at the like you you got exactly what you signed for like I don't understand like like I'm I love a lot of what the Dolphins have done like getting all the resources they did but how they've like used the resources they've gotten for the most part has been a little confusing. It has been interesting, you know. Austin Jackson is looking like an absolute stud with that first round pick, but no, yeah, I just I I am more likely to think because. I'm assuming that if they held on to him for another year, right? My thinking here, hey, maybe we want to use him with those 450 pass rush snaps and less of the dropping him back into coverage stuff. If that's what they were looking to do, I'm sure that the cap hit would have been a lot more next year. And that's why they they thought, hey, we got to make a decision now. Do we want to try to to ride the water, see if he can get back to that 2019 form where he's mainly getting after the passer? Or do we not even want to take that risk, cut ties with him, get that money back, and then figure out how to address pass rush going forward? No, I'm, I'm fine with, like, I mean, the Dolphins have much more to worry about than what their pass rush is looking like next year. So, I mean, I'm fine with cutting ties with him. I just think that it, like, just resembles kind of a failure of a, and it's a common mistake a lot of front offices make, like, in general. Like, we should, like, free agency is a dangerous game. Like, don't you don't win in free agency. Like I know everyone loves, and we'll get into these offseason previews. You don't win by signing Shaq Barrett to 20 mil. You win by getting Shaq Barrett on his low end for five mil, seeing him blow up and taking advantage of it. Oh, I see. We say that, but then Tampa Bay ain't winning no Super Bowl if they don't go into free agency and get Tom Brady. Oh, Maybe. no, Tampa Bay's yeah. the perfect example yeah. because they got to sign a quarterback to a below market deal 
They yep. signed Shaq Barrett for five mil. What other big free agent signings did they make? Like, what? Who did they sign to like above their market value? Um, because when I look at Tampa Bay, I see you know all these cornerbacks they drafted and replenished yep. in the secondary. I see two elite receivers. I see Tristan Wirfs, like they like homegrown offensive line for the most part. I see. Even Vita Vea, they got, like, after trading back, should have taken Derwin James, whatever. Like, Antoine Winfield in the second round. Levante David, homegrown. That's what I see. Yeah. Like, they, the, the fact that they are paying those cornerbacks, I think, like, somewhere below $10 million, all three of them, or maybe even their whole cornerback room, is absolutely insane. It's just By like, the way, do you, do you know who spent the most money on players last year? Let me think. Something tells me... Was it Houston? Yep, it was Houston. Good. Yeah, because they had and they have a bunch of dead the, money from Hopkins. Yeah. They had a bunch of they have that Tunsil deal. They had that Watson deal. They have David Johnson. They have Brandon Cooks. They had a bunch of insane contracts. And then other ones, the Eagles and the Falcons. Like it's a dangerous game. You don't need to sign Dante Fowler for fifteen million a year. The, ugh, the Eagles frustrate me. The Eagles are paying more money to their defensive line than some teams have in salary. It's absolute. I can't even fathom what Philadelphia is doing. But for Van Noy, I have three potential spots that I think would make a pretty decent amount of sense. The first being Baltimore, right? Baltimore, you need some edge rusher. It depends on the value that you're going to get Van Noy for, right? Because I don't want to pay Yannick Ngakwe whatever he wants to pay. I probably wouldn't even want Yannick Ngakwe for like $10 million. I don't think he's that good, quite frankly. So you know, whatever Yannick Ngakwe is getting, I could probably get Kyle Van Noy for half of that. What is your kind of model thinking that Van Noy is uh, valued at right now, if you have that? I, um, about like $8.5 Okay, um, and then Yannick Ngakwe is probably around 15 16 just because of the, the market value of edge rushes, right? No, because, I mean, I, I, I have this done not for what they will get, but what they should get, and Yannick Ngakwe is not that good. I know, but I'm just all, saying, all the, I, I don't know. Yeah, like he's going to get that. Yeah. He's someone will pay him probably that, but me personally, like my model has him actually as a worse player than Van Noy. And I agree with that. Like if Van Noy is a pass rusher, like I think Van Noy has been a more valuable player based off wins above replacement from PFF than Ngakwe. I'm not going to say that's wrong. Yeah, I'm definitely paying Van Noy. If I can get Van Noy for half of what Ngakwe is making, 1000% sign me up for Baltimore. And people make that. Oh, Blake, he's not this freak athlete that most of the guys at Baltimore have had in there. I, I don't care. He can get after the passer, and you have a defensive coordinator in Wink Martindale who's going to scheme up some pressure. Get Van Noy in there. You know, I what do you have to lose, Baltimore? I mean, would you rather spend four years with Yannick Ngakwe's overpriced? Oh, they, they are. I will tell you this. Baltimore, I know what Baltimore does. There is not a chance in the world that they actually re-sign Yannick Ngakwe. That guy is gone. Yeah. So for Baltimore, I think Van Noy is a, a definitely a good one here because it also kind of plays into what Baltimore likes to do as well. You get this guy in here who's going to ride the ship. Then you're going to draft a guy in the fourth round, turn him into an absolute stud. He's going to play a year for you, and then you let him walk. So that's going to play into the Baltimore. That's what people here. should do with edge rushers, right? Because the valuation of edge rushers is all about sacks, but sacks is a volatile statistic that doesn't actually tell you how good a player is. So this, this is exactly – it's the same thing with, like, saves with relievers um, in baseball. Like, just juice up his saves. Then, you know, like, cut him loose, like, what the A's were doing for years. Like, it's kind of what you should do with pass rushers in general. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee, 
as well. I think Tennessee, everything falls into the same vein as Baltimore. They need pass rush. Jadavion Clowney sucks. If they bring him back, I don't know what the hell they're doing. And again, same thing. We I, mean, Clowney, I will we say that Clowney's, better, the, Clowney's a better bet to be worth whatever deal he gets because his market will be suppressed than like most of the edge rushers. Um, yeah. I still but, don't want I mean, anything to do with Clowney, though. I don't think he's good at all. Oh, I don't want anything to do with like any of these edge rushers, to be honest. You know where Clowney needs to go? Clowney needs to go to Baltimore, to Tampa Bay. If Clowney ends up in one of those places, he is going to have himself probably a 15-sack year and then go get himself paid like Yannick Ngakwe and Jack Baird. Yeah, his biggest mistake was um, getting traded to Seattle. Like, we know Seattle ain't, like, blitzing and, like, making you look good. Yeah, so Tennessee kind of falls into that same vein. With Baltimore, you need an edge rusher. I'd rather you have this guy for – what do you think he's probably going to get, one, two years? Or you think he's going to be getting a little bit longer? Oh, I think it's going to be a short-term deal. So then that makes a lot of sense for Tennessee, in my opinion. Tennessee and Baltimore – same exact thing. And then this one may surprise some people. Tampa Bay Bucks. I really think the Tampa Bay Bucks. We just talked about them. The, you know, Todd Bowles is going to send the horses after that quarterback. I am fine with bringing in Kyle Van Noy. And again, Patriot Connection. Just get as many of these dudes as you can in here. Um, but I think it works well because I don't want to pay $20 million for Shaq Barrett. I really don't. I don't want to pay $15, $16 million for Yannick Ngakwe. You know, is JPP a free agent or do they still have him for another year? One more year. One more year. Okay. So then at least you're not down to nothing. But I would really see Van Noy as a good spot coming in here. It just seems like a very good value for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Don't pay the money for Barrett because maybe you get about the same results that Barrett would give you for about, what, $12 million less? Yeah, I mean, you get – I mean – like you just look at this, like like the Saints got thirteen and a half sacks and Trey Hendrickson, like yeah. crazy stuff happens. Yeah, Trey Hendrickson too is another guy who's probably going to get around what Yannick Ngakwe is making. Oh, I don't necessarily um, want to pay Hendrickson, him. Hendrickson, I think has a chance potentially to be Hendrickson and Ngakwe, Matthew Judon, Bud Dupree. Those are my four that I think are just going to get massively overpaid. I see everybody's. I've been looking at Matthew Judon, um, and I've seen him like market valuations and everything. I don't know how the hell people think he's making that much money. I mean, we just talked about it. He's just another like – Baltimore manufactures this. Like, they're pressure. They blitz a crazy ton. They do crazy stuff. Like, quarterbacks hold on to the ball because their secondary is so good. And yet, like, I think he only had one season, like, with, like, above, like, 40 pressures or something. I could be wrong there. But it's like he hasn't actually, like, really been that good despite playing this really friendly scheme. Yeah. Yeah, Baltimore – I think all three – do you have any other teams outside of these three guys that Van Noy could be a potentially good fit for? Um, I mean, it kind of depends on price. Um, I have no idea what he's actually going to get, to be honest. Like, he's going to be very – because it's a lot – I mean, I know New England, like, is probably going to be all over this. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's just where he went back to. This, and by the way, uh, I know I'm rambling here. Um, this is the type of signing that uh, the Cardinals should have made. That's what I was thinking too. I was thinking about putting Van Noy on here for the Cardinals too, but I was like, they're not, they just signed JJ Watt. They got to allocate funds elsewhere, but I much rather would have had Kyle Van Noy for half of what JJ Watt's getting. Who's an actual edge rusher, right? Do I don't see JJ Watt lining up as an edge for this Cardinals team. I think he's going to be like a three tech guy. 
Which is I fine, much but Van I mean, honestly, if the Cardinals were smart, they would sign Van Noy and cut Chandler Jones, but that's another matter. Um, but I think you could see, I, yeah, I think those are probably the best, like maybe the Chargers, like maybe, uh-huh. like, maybe, uh-huh. you know, I don't know. I, but I would say those would be the main ones. Yeah. Yeah, those can make sense. Uh, definitely nowhere that is going to use him as a uh, off-ball linebacker, though. Uh, yeah, so if like Cleveland brings him in here to do that, I'm gonna tear my tear my hair out. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. He hasn't been as good of a player when he's doing that role versus when he's just getting after the pass. Why? I mean, he'd be a tremendous scheme fit in a Pittsburgh. They just don't have a need or any money. Yeah. Oh, Pittsburgh would be an interesting one, but Highsmith is fine. I think Highsmith is fine for what they do. Plus, like, you're not spending big when you have T.J. Watt, Cameron Hayward, Stephon it. Yeah, that's right, uh, Bud Dufree, like, stands. Like, when you're the fourth or fifth best pass rusher on your D-line, you are going to um, be in a favorable situation. Yeah, I never thought Bud Dupree would. What about Hassan Reddick? You named a bunch of guys. You don't think Hassan Reddick is going to get himself some money? I think just because it's such a limited track record, like, he'll get to the – he'll probably get what he's just worth. Yeah, probably he's another guy. He's another guy who they tried to use in that tweener role, that linebacker off ball slash edge. Very overrated oh. role. Yeah. And it, it most of these guys suck when they do both. People and again, yes, versatility is good for guys on rookie contracts. I want you to plug and play, especially on the defensive side and the offensive line, in my opinion. I'd rather just have a guy be good. You know, just just be good. I don't need you to play five different positions. Just be good at one, please. You're not some role player on my team, you know, then maybe. I, yes. See, I kind of disagree. I, my take is, like, you don't force versatility, but, like, you prioritize versatility, if that makes sense. Like, you should be seeking out players who can do a bunch of different things because good players should be able to do a bunch of different things or you're just scheme limited. And in football, there's so much turnover with, like, play callers and everything. That's, like, really important. But you can't just force a guy to be, like, different things. But if a guy's best trait is his versatility, don't, like Isaiah Simmons, like don't just stick him at linebacker. Like have him move around because that's how he's used. Versatility is – I mean, we're going to an era in football where positions are going to be meaningless. And it's just going to be about like get athletic players to stop defenses. I think you're already starting to see that. Um, my take is you just can't force it. Like don't tell like someone who's really good as a pass rusher – to go play, you know, like go be in coverage. Like don't tell a good – don't tell like Aaron Donald to rush off the edge unless Aaron Donald is good at rushing off the edge, which he is, like little things like that. Yeah, and my thing – I'm not saying for like high-level players, but I want – I would rather have a high-level player who can play, I don't know, center field better than anybody, right? Earl Thomas in his prime. I'd rather have that guy – over us average safety who can, oh, he can kind of do everything well. He can move around. That's kind of where I'm saying from. Now, rookie deals are a little bit different. If, I have, if I'm drafting some guy in the third round, fourth round, I want a guy who can fit in and play wherever I end up needing his skill set to get the most out of his value. That's kind of where I was coming from that. Yeah, no, my take was more also and just not being like completely limited to like one scheme. Right. Like, oh, I'm only a zone corner. Oh, I'm only, you know what I mean? Because there's so much turnover. Right. Right. Um. Chris Sims. Wow. Okay. So Chris Sims dropped this quarterback ranking that gave me an absolute headache. It was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Um, and I'm actually going to come in here and defend him because I always got to, I always got to be different. Okay. got to be different. What do you have the, 
I remember one was Zach Wilson, two was Trevor Lawrence. Who was three again? It was Mac Jones. Mac Jones. Okay. Kellen Mond was four. Then five was Fields and six was Lance. That is one of the stupidest, most idiotic things I've ever seen. I, I lost some brain cells. I, I saw it while I was at work. I was waiting for some food. The, I, I delivered DoorDash for you, those of you that don't know. And I was sitting there and I saw it. And I verbally let out a, huh? Like, what is this? This makes absolutely no sense. Absolutely no sense. What about anything about Kellen Mond? I have never watched Kellen Mond and been like, Yes, I think this guy has legit potential. Now, I've talked about Kellen Mond before, and I say, yeah, if I'm in the sixth round, I might take a flyer on him because any person that can move around at all, I'm more likely to take than a guy like, I'm trying to think, uh, uh, CJ Beathard. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll give me the legs that I can at least do something with. If you say Kellen Mond is your sixth quarterback after the big five, Kyle Trask, and then you have Kellen Mond right there because of his legs. Okay, I, I can get behind that, I guess, if you want to take him in the fifth. Kellen Mond is your fourth-best quarterback? It makes absolutely no sense. It's idiotic. It's one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. But Yeah, Model, by the way, I will say is not a Kellen Mond fan. No, I don't think anybody with eyes is a Kellen Mond fan or common sense. But I will say we got to defend now because I know everybody is crapping on it. So I got to play wrong, right? I got I to gotta be able to title this little segment here, Chris Jones is, or Chris Sims is a genius. Um, he's been solid. He ain't been horrible, right? 2018, he had the big three as his top three, and then he had Darnold and Rosen after. And you said that he changed that one up a little bit? Yeah, no, his final one had, like, Lamar fourth or fifth and Rosen second. Like, this is the problem with this type of, like, evaluate, like, the way people do these things. Like, when you can just go back and, oh, I'm going to change my rankings, like, every two seconds, because, like, here, okay, here, I'm just going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Your rankings should not change from when the college season ends to the draft. Nothing changed. Like, this is the problem. And it's all about with, like, film watchers. It's whatever game you watch. Like, you could have, like, watched Justin Fields' Northwestern game. And you're like, oh, this guy sucks. And we're just going to ignore all the other games. Yeah, watch Trevor Lawrence's first four games of the 2019 season. It's little things like that. Like, that's why it's so important, like, to have some objective way of going about this. Unless you could – if you can watch every play and chart like what PFF does, I know a ton of other people do football outsiders does this go ahead. But if you're just going to like have your opinion completely be on one or two games, I just think you're doing yourself a disservice And this whole, like, Oh, this guy's moving up the rankings. Cause there's biases over time. You're going to feel pressured that like conform to the norm and everyone has the same exact opinions. And I mean, draft evaluation is, I don't want to say meaningless, but it's very limited generally because all of it depends on who drafts them anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really just about targeting valuable positions. But the idea that you can, like your, your rankings just change so much for something other than, hey, we have more data on them. I just don't understand. Yeah. I mean, changing it for things like the combine. And well, no, the combine's fine. Shit like that. I don't. Get you weren't that. gonna. You weren't gonna change your rankings after seeing that Justin Jefferson ran a four four four. If I was already seeing things like it's not gonna change things in a way that brings up a guy from the fourth best quarterback to, especially for quarterbacks too. Well, no, oh, no, no, no. So quarterbacks, you know I mean? like, I don't, uh, quarterbacks, you know. pass rushers, or I'd right, say quarterbacks, D line, and. I want to say like tackles are the ones like I don't really care. And even running backs mostly like I don't care about the combine. And even like 
wide receivers. You know, I mean, no, I rec- want to make sure they don't look like is interesting. Wide receiver, like on my model, like there's a big thing. It's not as much the combine as much as that. I want like the three cone and the 40 yard dash matter just for a speed and like agility standpoint. Like there are some things, but the main thing that um, my model likes is also just tight weight, like just getting that athletic like profile. That makes sense. How'd you yeah, feel man. about, uh, did you make any changes with Bateman's times? She has 40. Uh, I'm just kind of waiting to see. Cause is that even an official combine? Like, cause doesn't he have to do the Minnesota one or I think... I'm waiting to see. I think I want to see how like all of them go to see if like the average is like lower. You know what I mean? So right, I know how, right. like how to adjust. Um, see, I, I have no idea what to do. That is way higher than anything I expected. Even if it's relatively BS, that's way higher than I was expecting for Bateman. Yeah, like four, what was it four three four and four three nine? They did laser. Which yeah, three Caleb nine. Farley ran a four two four. I saw like a D lineman ran a four six. I was like, yeah, I don't know. About I, I say that, but then I see dudes like Montez Sweat and Chase Young run, and I'm like, well, how the hell? See, look, I'm I run probably about a five one forty. I'm gonna be honest with you guys, and I'm a relatively athletic person. I can still not fathom. I don't get it. How men that are two hundred and seventy pounds are running like four sevens even. That is just insanely unfathomable to me. Or like Makai Becton last year at like 380, 400, like actually running like a 5-1. Like Makai Becton, who weighs almost double me, could probably beat me in a race. Let's just think about that for a second. And could probably beat you at home listening in a race. Your, your smart ass is probably sitting there right now. This Blake, you're slow as hell. Race Makai Becton then. You race Makai Becton. Yeah, I don't want to hear you talking crap. You couldn't beat Makai Becton in a race either. Um, wow, got me all worked up. And you guys didn't even say anything. I got worked up over what I think y'all gonna say, but that's what you gotta do. You gotta you gotta anticipate the reaction sometimes, so that way they can be like, "Well, you knew that." Uh, AFC East offseason previews. Super excited for this division next year. Uh, I think there's a lot going on and a lot of things that could really shift the landscape. It's gonna be a fun division to watch next year. Yeah, because I mean, we'll get into it, but you have one rebuilding team who's like in position to go big. You have another that's facing, like, who has a chance to take that next ascent, but also doesn't even know who their quarterback is. You have the team who's been winning this division for, like, years. Like, no one has any idea what's going to happen with them. But, I mean, they're always – you got to keep an eye out. And then you have this team that just, like, came out, like, super smart, progressive team that is, like, everything's going right and everything's good. Are they going to continue to bank on that or are they going to fall into the same trap a lot of people do? Yeah. Everything like the Jets, you're getting a quarterback in number two overall. We'll get it, we'll get into that in a second. The Patriots, oh, I thought Sam Darnold was the answer. You got to take Penn Ice well there. We'll get to that in a second. The Patriots, you got your whole quarterback situation to figure out, and more underrated than that. People are just thinking, Oh, we're gonna get a quarterback in here, we're gonna be good. You're gonna throw to Jacoby Myers, who should probably be the quarterback over Jared Stidham. You got the Dolphins. Yeah, if they don't take a quarterback at three, then we're going to be seeing sophomore year of Tua with hope, hopefully some more things around him to help. And with the Bills, look, I'm the biggest Josh Allen fan. We got to see something again. There's just so many fun storylines in this division. Oh, and regression is just coming, like, for yeah. Josh Allen. Just oh, no, I know. The- we'll, we'll get to the Josh Allen contract talk when we get to the Bills. But, again, we'll get more in depth on that. But there's a fun storyline or two here with every single division. And then you have – you know, Buffalo, who was the Cinderella team last year, you're going to have the Patriots who 
you know, will Darth Vader return? Is this the Empire Strikes Back? You know, the Dolphins, a, another kind of Cinderella team for a majority of the season that just missed out on the playoffs. So much fun stuff here. We'll go ahead and start in New York, uh, in the city of New York, not Buffalo. I still don't exactly know where in New York Buffalo is. It, I still can't believe that New York isn't just that couple of cities. But yeah, Jets. Okay. They had a great start to the offseason so far. They dumped Henry Anderson was something that I saw that they kind of needed to do, and they freed up about, what, $8 million or something like that? It was a pretty decent chunk. Yeah, decent chunk. So definitely like that start from the Jets right there. Um, and my second point, get something, literally anything, for Sam Darnold, okay? I'm not rocking with him. He's just not that good. I'm sorry, and he's not going to be good for you guys. I just – now, am I saying that Sam Darnold's career is over and he's always going to be bad? No, 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 no. I think he can maybe do something. But when I have a chance at Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, maybe Urban Meyer is um, drinking a little bit on draft night and he takes a running back number one overall, then you get Trevor Lawrence. You know, there's just so many things that could happen at the second spot. The, the risk of, and here's how I'm going to paint it out for you guys. The risk of rocking with Sam Darnold is not worth the reward. Do you see Sam Darnold? Everything works out for him. Everything just is perfect for the rest of his career. Do you see him being a uh, um, continuous top five quarterback in the league for the next 10 years? Uh, I would say no. I would say no as well. Now, Justin Fields comes in here, everything works out perfect, and you have one of the best quarterbacks of all time. You know, it's just yeah. – and and the also money- by the way, Justin Fields like in this like they're gonna run that like Shanahan scheme like you get him on the oh my, you get Justin Fields like I think Justin Fields is actually this is not what a lot of people think but I think he's the most scheme diverse quarterback in this draft. I'd agree with um, that. But if you give him like the help of like that you get like you're gonna get like Ryan Tannehill like levels of production in Tennessee like right away. Yeah, it's going to be a blast to watch him all but my thing with Darnold they have what one more year of control on him and then you're gonna to have to pay him this, this well they have this year and then the fifth year option and then you're gonna to have to pay him after that it's just nothing like there's not enough the risk here doesn't make sense to me the money doesn't make sense the potential on these two guys doesn't make sense nothing really about rocking with Sam Darnold makes sense at all to me no I'm it, it would be it would just be mind-blowing Unless, like, they get the greatest offer to trade down. But it's got to be, like, RG3 at least. You would I'm actually trading down. I'd still need the top five pick if I'm the Jets and I'm trying to. I mean, the only way the Jets should not be picking second overall is if the Houston Texans are on the clock. Yeah, that is true. That And, yes, obviously, in here, we would like to see them, for everything that is good, go after Deshaun Watson. That's every team we talk about today, except for the Buffalo Bills, and maybe, man. Hey, maybe if you're not a Josh Allen, I, I would, pro- I would probably do it. Yeah. I mean, Allen's probably going to earn more than Watson and Watson's better. So technically I would take Watson. Yeah. So, but for the three teams here that are quarterback needy, potentially if you're not a Tua fan, but even then you move on for Watson any day. And we'll get into that Tua Watson conversation in a second. Cause it mirrors, in my opinion, the Darnold, um, the Darnold Fields or slash Wilson, whatever you want to take at number two, it mirrors. It's the exact same argument, in my opinion. The 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 ceiling of Tua, it's not there of what it is on Watson. They're exactly the same. So everything that I just said about this Darnold situation, the only difference is the money. And I don't care if I'm paying my starting quarterback, who's an absolute beast, 
a lot of money. It's what you have to do. So some more cuts. I could see them cutting George Fant. But then when I wrote that down, I put it in the notes. I was like, eh, he started 14 games at right tackle next year. Uh, whoever my quarterback is, whether they are sipping on some Kool-Aid and rock with Darnold, whether it's Fields, I don't necessarily want to roll with some bum right tackle or some rookie that I throw out there. So on second thought, I was like, eh, maybe we could keep George Fan in there. What's your kind of thoughts on cutting Fan? It would save seven minutes. I would, I would do it. Um, okay. I think there's more better and just cheaper options. Like bring in Rick Wagner. That's better player, same price. Okay, yeah. I mean, that makes sense if they have a, a veteran guy to come in here. But if they just cut George Fant and say, oh, we want to roll with some dude we drafted in round three this year, then I'm going to be like, uh, no, no, you're going to get your guy killed. Don't don't yeah. really like that idea at all. Yeah. And then one that does make sense, Greg Van Roten, right guard. Cutting him could save you $3 million. That one just kind of makes a lot of sense here. And then this one, it's not necessarily something I recommend, but I just see it happening. This guy, he wants to get it. I, I guarantee you, look, I'm not his manager. I'm not his agent right now. But if I'm him, I am doing every single thing I can to get to New York. And if I'm New York money people, if I'm the owner or something, uh, I want to get this guy in here too. I want to get this guy in here too. Because we talk about this dude playing Fortnite and taking punches from Ryan Garcia. Juju in New York is going to just blow up it's going to be absolutely insane from money business standpoint makes a lot of sense the football standpoint makes no sense don't get me wrong juju's one of the most overrated receivers in the league he ain't that great he don't deserve the money that i gave him in here but i just it's a calling from the heavens that is telling me everything about this except for the football which is kind of funny because that's what we talk about on this podcast makes sense gary v is gary v probably just hit him up and was like juju come on i don't know there's it makes no football sense whatsoever, but I think Jets and Juju end up getting together somehow. I could see it. I just – it's not the greatest fit, uh, like, just scheme-wise there. Um, so, that, I mean, that's my only – I hope not, but – Juju's pretty the Jets thing, after the catch, though, right? He's not a liability. It's fine, but it's – I don't know, like – with Wilson, I, I actually like Juju gets down the field, so I guess it's not really a style fit. Juju's just not good. I'm, yeah, agreed. For what he's not good, get. we say Juju's yeah. not good, but for people are going to pay him what people should be paying. Uh, Godwin, and, Will Fuller would be a tremendous fit here. I just yeah, have I to think say, Will Fuller would be an interesting one. And then two more names that I added. Even if they do somehow get Juju Smith, and I didn't include right, I'd rather have him go after Robinson, Godwin, Galladay. I'm assuming all of those guys get tagged. So you won't hear any of those guys' name today. But so even if they do get Juju, so now you're rocking with Juju, Crowder, and then here are two names that I also like to kind of get in here, Marvin Jones um, and Nelson Aguilar. I think those are two guys that could potentially come in come in here on cheaper deals, and now you have three pretty decent wide receivers. I think Aguilar is going to be kind of pricey. I'm a, like, Yeah, like I saw his projection for like 10-plus million. God, is that right man. now? Like, no. Man, how much – how much did Tyrell – I saw Tyrell Williams signed with – He got six, six mil. Which it's a one-year deal, so I don't I don't mind over – It's not actually six mil, by the way. It's like four years with incentive. or four mil with like right. incentives. Playing yeah. incentives. I think that's a decent guy. I'm, I'm sad Detroit locked him up because I would have loved to have seen him on pretty much every team that we talk about today. They all kind of need weapons. And we'll get to Baltimore in a, or Buffalo in a second on why I say that. Um, I think that pretty much wraps it up for the Jets. Any other moves that you think could be interesting that we could talk about real quick? No, I mean, maybe like 
I don't know what T.Y. Hilton's market is. He's not. He's still effective as a deep threat. I just really hope that like the Jets take Justin Fields. Like, they're not. Just there's because no way they rock with them. There's no way. No, but the problem is they're. I mean, I think they're going to. I, I, my, what's probably going to happen is they'll just stay put and take Zach Wilson. Um, I don't. I, by the way, if I'm a Jets fan, I just feel a little. About them taking Wilson. I mean, it just seems everyone has Wilson number two because he looks good on tape, and apparently that's all that matters. Wilson does look good on tape, but so does Justin Fields. Like, I don't get that. See, that's the thing. Two guys. Oh, but I, but you know, um, despite the fact that time to throw has actually had like a negative correlation with uh, EPA in terms of like the lower your time to throw is, like um, the less efficient your offense is, because you know what takes you know time to throw actual valuable shots down the field yeah saying like don't and look at the time to throw look at the fact that fields is averaged at the target is like three yards higher than lawrence yet he yeah. graded higher and performed better in pretty much every metric yeah I do like, like just... the fact that some people think fields is like qb4 now is like hilarious that does not make any sense to me look i am probably the biggest trey lance guy you will find I can't find a way that just that you can put Trey Lance over Justin Fields. Well, I, really I mean, can't. according to Chris like, Sims, Colin Mond's better than both. So, because my thing with Justin Fields can do everything that Trey Lance does at a higher level and better, in my opinion, way more accurate than Trey Lance. And I'm the biggest Trey Lance guy ever. Once we get to some more quarterback draft talk, you guys will just hear me gush over Trey Lance. For the Patriots, though, since eh, we'll pivot, we'll talk about Trey Lance a little bit, but that's a little sneak peek. Figure out the quarterback situation. Yes, you need playmakers. That is a fact. But I, you need a quarterback. It doesn't matter if you have the best playmakers in the world and you're rocking with Alex Smith. That's another thing. I have heard Alex Smith being talked about for the Bears, for the Patriots, and then I think there was another one. But those were the two that stood out. If Alex Smith is your starting quarterback next year, just start watching Sam Howell and, and Spencer Rattler tape and figure out which one you want to take overall. Did yeah, I like him watch? as like a backup, yeah. like for, for Jacksonville or something. But like, yes, or maybe you don't want to start your quarterback uh, week one or week two, or for some whatever reason we don't get camps next year or something, and you you don't want to throw your quarterback out there for whatever reason. I don't necessarily agree with that, but maybe you pick Trey Lance. Um, for some reason, you're Caroline, and you pick Trey Lance, and you move on from Teddy, and you bring in Alex Smith to start two games, and then go to the guy that makes sense but if you are legit talking about Alex Smith being your starting quarterback figure out if you want Rattler or how that's really all I can tell you for my plan for the New England Patriots and you can go ahead and tell me what you think to figure out this quarterback situation I say sit back and chill on draft night they're picking at I think 15 sit and watch right because right now we have no idea what the hell is going on with Mac Jones Mac Jones is the biggest some people have him going top five. Some people have him. They're still not sold that he's a legit first half of the first round guy. Okay, that's whatever. So I say go in there on draft night. You're picking at pick 15. You sit, you watch the board. And it depends how things are going. You know, if maybe you're getting there and at pick 10, there's a team at 13 that you think takes Mac Jones, then I could see you trading up. But if I'm the Patriots, I'm okay just sitting and relaxing because maybe Mac Daddy Jones falls. Maybe Trey Lancelot falls to you. Who knows? And if you get those guys at 15, that makes a lot of sense. And why I say wait is because I think Mariota is still a potential guy there. You know, if he gets cut, I think you're bringing him in regardless. 
right? If Mariota gets cut, you sign him to whatever deal. And I really don't think that affects you drafting Mac Jones or Trey Lance at 15. But I say just hold off on that quarterback thing with the guys because you know what happens if those guys aren't there at 15? You know who you probably get? You're probably getting somebody like Waddle. You're probably getting somebody, a high-level wide receiver. That's just kind of how I'm thinking about it. And a quarterback name that was interesting to me, you guys know I've been loving Marcus Mariota. I know it's not necessarily a fit from a schematic standpoint, but New England did show last year that they're willing to like fit to their quarterback. They didn't throw Cam Newton in the Tom Brady offense, which was huge for Josh McDaniels, in my opinion. What do you think about potentially getting Jameis Winston for the Patriots? I mean, I think Jameis is a fit, like, in a ton of places. I I don't think he's leaving New Orleans, though. Really? No, like, I saw Ian Rappaport came out and said, like, they're, like, committed to keeping it. And if you're Jameis, are you going to New England or are you going to New Orleans? Like, that's pretty obvious to me. How would they retain him? I mean, like, you just structure the deal. Like, give him, a, like, a two-year deal and push it a ton of it to the second year. Jameis can probably take less to say i don't think the market for james is gonna be crazy i don't think it's more than like five six mil really you don't think he'll get the dude like signed that. for one mil last year because no one wanted him you really like the colts could have had james for cheap nope they went and traded for carson Wentz. like who how many teams out there need a quarterback there you think that ryan pace is going to put his legacy like his time in chicago on james i don't think they'd let him you think Ron Rivera is going to, like, being as conservative as he is, is going to be like, you know what, I want Jameis? No, like, it's not, like, it's, you saw it last offseason. You're going to see it again. Like, he's going to take – he's going to get, like, 6-7 mil. You don't think he's going to get, like, that Mariota-type deal? That 10-ish no. year? And, no, huh. no, because the Mariota duel was, was, like, shouldn't have ever happened ever. Like, that was, like, just a poor, like, reaction, like, trying to get out ahead. I don't understand why that Mariota deal ever like came to be. Huh. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that Winston in New England could be an interesting fit if they wanted to bring him in because who, even if they brought him in on a two year, 26 million dollar deal, you know, and, and you draft a quarterback at 15, if Jones or Lance is there, I'm okay with that setup, honestly. Yeah. I mean, like I think New England it's just don't like try to sell like you have no talent just build for 2022 that's kind of like, how I'm don't thinking just roll over your cap um just so you can have like a huge amount when the cap explodes like you're gonna be going crazy like just start adding young perimeter talent like trade Stephon Gilmore do all the these little things get younger like if a quarterback falls like think about it like I would not. Oh, if Lance, like, if Lance or Jones falls at fifteen, that has to be the pick, one thousand percent. I don't know I about Jones. I don't know about Jones because I think Jones could legitimately just fail because you're drafting Jones for polish, like, and to come in right away and be like this, like effective right away, and the Patriots just have nothing. Like, I don't know about Jones. Lance, I would probably do just because of the high end uh, play. Um, but I mean, I really think New England, if they want to could just trade back from 15 and like really try to make a play in the 2022 market. That could make when they're actually good. And then whatever they decide to do at 15 after that, every single pick in this draft should be a playmaker. It should literally be wide receiver, wide receiver, wide tight end, tight end, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, tight end. 
you know, maybe pick a cornerback in the seventh round and let Bill Belichick work his magic. I don't know. But every single pick needs to be a playmaker. Yeah, like you got to like – it's not good. And what do you have to lose? It's not like, oh, no, we have three dudes that we picked in the second, third, and fourth, and they're all solid. It's better than what you have before. I mean, teams, teams should spend multiple picks on like receivers just to make sure one hit. Everyone's like, oh, you know, I can't take a receiver early, blah, blah, blah. You know, like the hit rates that I'm like, oh, this just means you should take multiple. This just means like you really shouldn't be taking your running backs like at all. Yeah. And if they did want to compete next year, uh, some moves I think they can make. I think Curtis Samuel, solid there. And that's actually. And he's like 24. Like he can be a part of like their next good team. I I like Curtis Samuel for the long run. You know, give him some money a little bit long term. I think he can be a solid all-around wide receiver for them. Then some more veteran guys. Uh, Golden Tate is one. Marvin Jones is one. And then a name that I think isn't getting enough love who is going to be in like a Robbie Anderson situation next year, in my opinion, is David Moore. Thank you. That was so um, guys keep a lookout. My free agency, like contract value projections, like how much they should get paid um, coming out soon. But like my take on like one of the big gems in free agency is going to be David Moore. Yeah, David Moore is going to be like what Robbie Anderson was last year and what, um, what's his name for the jets the wide receiver that was with washington i think and he's been solid um was he with washington who's there crowder name? crowder i think it was crowder yeah, yeah, yeah i think it was crowder i could see like oh another one like even like aguilar where you sign him for really cheap and then he just ends up becoming a useful player and then he gets overpaid the next year yeah i think david moore is going to be a very solid slot so i like that for new england and then tight ends as well you know, if you wanted to go cheaper, shorter term, you got Rudolph, you got Cook. If you wanted to get a guy for the future, John, who was definitely there too. So I really do think that if they wanted to, they could put a guy, a younger guy or a more veteran guy in a position where he's not working with absolute crap. So let's say they just go Curtis Samuel, David Moore. Um, we'll think the lowest guy on here, Kyle Rudolph, um, have a solid offensive line. And then the trade that we have, I have them moving Stephon Gilmore for Mike Williams. You're looking at a pretty decent set of weapons there. It's not going to blow the the building off of anybody, but that's a solid group, I think. A way better, like leagues, leagues, leagues above what they were last year. Yeah. Um, just, but yeah, like you said, like at some point, like the Patriots have been trying to do is the Patriots, like you got to add speed. Like this is just the way the NFL is now. Yeah, and I brushed over that a little bit, so we'll get into that a little bit more. Yes, I do think that the Patriots should be trading Stephon Gilmore. He's the highest player on their payroll. And I know what you guys are probably thinking, Blake, they have a ton of cap space. Yeah, I know they do. But if you have a guy who, look at who they have on deck. They have J.C. Jackson, who they just extended for a relatively team-friendly deal, right? They got him kind of on a decent one, right? No, they still have to. He's um, a restricted free agent, so they still got to work something. Which one there. did they extend then? Was it uh, uh, the Jonathan other? Jones? Jonathan Jones. You know, so you have Jonathan Jones. You have J.C. Jackson. You have a guy who I think is is kind of underrated, just because I don't think he's gotten enough play time. Uh, JoJuan Williams. They got him from I think Michigan State two years ago in the second or third. And I'm okay with moving Stephon Gilmore, especially if you're in a situation where you want to compete next year, because you're not going to compete. Stephon Gilmore is not going to turn your defense into some trash awful defense if you move him off because yes I know you need these dependent Stephon Gilmore wasn't that good last year 
He really wasn't. Two years ago, yes, he was, but last year he wasn't great. And I think the Chargers makes a lot of sense too because, one, you move on from Mike Williams. Yes, you take away a weapon from Wait, but weren't you saying on the Niners uh, podcast on Tuesday how, like, Stephon Gilmore shouldn't go, like, to a team that's playing a ton of zone? Yet the Chargers are going to be, like, the zone-heaviest team in the NFL? I think they are, but I think that Brandon Staley wants to get him Jalen Ramsey incarnate, right? He, Stephon Gilmore. And he has Casey Hayward. Yeah, Casey uh, Hayward. Yeah, I mean, Casey Hayward's a, a top, like, 10, top five corner in the NFL. Yeah, I was just thinking he wanted a guy, essentially, the only guy who can, in my opinion, do about half of what Jalen Ramsey can do and that he can match up on these big physical receivers. He can – I just thought it made a lot of sense for Brandon Staley to utilize the Herbert – uh, lack of paying him for this couple of years and go out and get Gilmore who could be what Ramsey was last year and help the Rams defense out tremendously in my yeah, opinion. We'll, we'll save it for the uh, Chargers preview, but um, I mean, I don't hate it. I would, you can make the case to allocate your funds to help Herbert since Herbert will regress next year in terms yeah. of play under pressure, but that's for the Chargers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dolphins. We got the Dolphins. Um, you're, we could discuss the prospects of them going quarterback at three. They won't do it though. They uh, should. Unfortunately, they, they should. They, and they undoubtedly should. They need to do everything they can to go get um, Deshaun Watson, but they're not probably going to be able to do that. So weapon at three, I don't care who you go. You could go Kyle freaking Pitts for all I care and use him at wide. Use him correctly, please. Don't just draft him and waste his talent. You could go Pitts. You could go Waddle. You could go Chase. You could go Smith. Okay. I don't really care. Do not pick Panay Suwell. Don't, please, don't, please, for, for all that is good, please do not pick Panay Suwell. Please, 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 because you're just going to screw over your quarterback who you drafted with a top five pick last year and that you want to build around. You're going to screw him over if you draft Panay Suwell. I'm sorry. You really are. Getting Panaisuwa in here to play left tackle, you know where else you suck at? Left guard, center is rough. I think Karras is leaving. The rest of your line sucks. Okay, cool. We got this guy to protect his, not even his blind side. We got this guy to protect him. Okay, who's he going to throw to? Who's it? Mike Gusecki? Here, Mike Gusecki, catch your 1,000th contested catch of the season. Have a good time, buddy. It's no, please pick a wide receiver. Bringing in any of those four weapons I named. And them doing well for Tua is going to do so much more for your offense, for your team, and for Tua's progression. It makes almost no sense to draft so well at three, in my opinion, for Miami. See, I don't actually know because my take is that the receiver is so important. Like that, and like Jamar Chase is just a weird fit anyway. Like, I'm, in terms of like he doesn't separate. Like, you could take Jamar Chase, but I would also sign like a receiver and free agency. Like, I don't want it to be all on the line on one like rookie oh yeah i completely development i completely Um, agree i mean my model says like suel is like going to be the most valuable like non-quarterback in this draft just from if you take into account how much like tackles get paid yeah i kind of agree though like i would still take um receiver there honestly what i would do if i'm miami i'm trading down i'm trading down in that like 10th or like whoever like needs to trade up for that range trade down to eight with carolina carolina get fields and then there you go like you're still gonna get the four i mentioned 
Yeah, like if you could get one, like Waddle would be perfect because what they need is some shiftiness, like inside from the slot. Yeah, and, and that would just thing, be awesome. My thing, I, I got to talk about this before I get into my uh, draft wide receiver rankings. If I have one guy ranked above the other, it doesn't mean that I think they're bad. I think all three of those wide receivers are just going to be menaces to society in the league. So just because I think so and so is better than so and so, it don't mean that I think other guys bad. So picking it four is huge for Miami. Because you moved back, you got some presumably great draft capital, and you get you don't get your pick of the litter, but you're still probably getting a dang great player. Yeah, I mean, it's no-brainer. Yeah, and I put in here, similar boat as New England. You know, you got a weapon up, except for, you know, probably don't get Kyle Rudolph or Jared Cook because you have one of the better tight ends in football. Put some respect on Mike Gusecki's name. Um, all the wide receiver moves make sense to me. You know, Curtis Samuel – David Moore, Tate, Jones. I think they all are kind of solid to bring in there, even if you draft a wide receiver at three, like we were saying a little bit earlier. Yeah, I mean, give, like, if you're going to go with Tua, like, you cannot have there be any excuse. Well, he didn't have enough weapons. Like, you need to pretty much force him to play good or, like, be out the door. Right. Right, right, right. I will. I got to defend Tua for a little bit, man. Uh, Tua is just getting the living crap beat out of him right now by his former wide receivers and Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith. And let me just say, one, I feel bad for him that this is happening. Two, they are not bad people. Okay, I see some people say, "Oh, those dudes are just trying to ruin Tua's career." No, what they're trying to do is boost up Mac Jones. If NFL teams here, oh, the, uh, these wide receivers think that Mac Jones is better, better than Tua. Maybe we should use a top five pick on him. I'm, I would not put it past somebody like Dave Gettleman to do that. So he is just trying to get his boy Mac Jones some money. Both of them are. They're not dissing Tua, in my opinion. They're just hyping up Mac Jones right now. Although I would feel horrible if somebody was doing that. You know what? If I feel bad for Tua right now. But Tua just has to know that, hey, they ain't trying to break you down. They're just trying to get Mac Jones paid. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, if it was in a different order, I think you would see, like, uh, Tua getting hyped up exactly um bills now we get into the bills division champs it's going to be interesting the number one thing that i'm excited to see is uh, josh allen next year where is his regression to that's going to be the one thing while we're talking about this my biggest thing do not extend josh allen this year okay do not extend him do you want to be like the Rams and be stuck with the Jared Goff like contract? Do you want to be stuck like who's another one? Who's another really crappy quarterback deal? Um, can't think of one. Can you think of any? Wentz. Uh, Wentz. Wentz. Something um, like that. Like yeah, like I, Ben Roethlisberger right now. Yeah, so you don't want to get stuck in that thing where you saw him. You tried to get ahead of the ball. I would much rather pay five-ish more million a year and know that his regression is about a slightly above average quarterback play than find out that I got a saved $7 million for the next four years of a crappy quarterback. And you look, oh, easily. I'm just being honest here. You guys know I'm the biggest Josh Allen fan. That's not Bill's mafia, but it's just reality here. We, you cannot go ahead and be like, yeah, Josh Allen, we're going to extend you now, save $5 million a year. And then you suck after that. You just can't, that can't happen. Yeah, we're on the same page there. So some potential cuts for the Bills. Um, Jerry Hughes. Oh, by the, okay. I know you're going to say this. No, they should not. I saw your notes before we went on. You do not cut Jerry Hughes to save $5 million. That guy is coming off of a super productive year. You don't get good. Like, 
quality at pass rush talent for five mils. Especially since you're on here saying the Bills should sign Van Noy or um, and you were all in on them getting Watt, and you're going to tell them to cut Jerry Hughes to save five mil. That makes sense. I get, yeah, I can get behind that. I was looking more at the money and not thinking about the quality of talent. This is a team that is contending now. I completely no, like, but but like but you're saving five mil if you if your numbers were right that I was saying. Yeah. What do you think about Brown? Because I have Brown getting cut too. What do you think about Brown? I, I think he might get cut. I'm not sure. I don't think he should because, like, it's easier said than done to like replace a receiver with that like field stretching ability. Did he? He was pretty banged up for a majority of last year, though, right? Yeah. So what I would try to do there is restructure. Okay. Um, I would not want him not on the team next year, though. Kind of oh. like Sammy Watkins with the Chiefs last year, us. Yeah. Okay, those make sense. So if you we you agree with Butler and Jefferson though, correct? Oh yeah, that'll and even like uh, yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. Anybody else that you want to add to that? Um, did you happen to check what Mario Addison was? I didn't. I hmm, I don't think I did. I don't think it's possible. Like that might be a. I thought that they they structured a lot of deals to get out of. So you're going to see them do a lot of like veteran defensive front seven cuts. Which I think is smart. I think it's smart. Milano, uh, he's gone, right? He's free agent. Yeah, and they already said like they're not bringing him back. It looks like. Which makes sense. Which you know, Zayvon Collins, pick him up, Buffalo. Get just get all my favorite draft players on Buffalo, and then I'll be one happy camper. Um, but yeah, that'll free up about thirteen million if they cut Jefferson and Butler. I would like to see them add Olivier Vernon on a one-year deal. Um, and my thing. There was nobody that I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense at the edge rusher place because when I was te- we were talking about it a little bit, and um, I said it's either dudes who suck but are going to get paid because they're young and had a couple sacks, or dudes who are old and suck. So I couldn't. It was tough for me to find a potential new rotational edge rusher for the Bills. Yeah, but I mean, there's a bunch if you like are willing to just be average kind of there, which is really all you need to be anyway. Like there are a decent amount that you could. What are some um, I like, um, I mean, there's Terrell Basham, even Pernell McPhee, like even guys down that end, like I would pay like their whatever they get. And I would much rather rock with them than some of these guys out there. But yeah. Vernon's my favorite, like underrated guy. Yeah. Cause he's, he, he was pretty banged up and he barely played last year. Right. Or did he opt out or something? Oh yeah. He was just hurt, but he's legitimately actually good. Yeah. Yeah. So Vernon. And then I think this one, Brian Poole. He'll come play the slot two years, $8 million. I think that's a very scary fit because you add him in the slot, Trey wide out wide. Then you just have to worry about getting some more depth in the corner spot. I really like bringing in pool. Oh, that's an awesome fit. Like the slot coverage. They were really not great at last year. Yeah. And then in the first, we're talking more draft philosophy instead of doing an actual mock draft to give you guys an idea Um, in the first cornerback or wide receiver I think is what they should look to do because you know I have I had them cutting John Brown and even then go wide receiver because well Brown's on this last year yeah. Cole Beasley's getting up there I would just draft a wide receiver regardless uh, I'm trying to think of who would I mean be. you need more than three receivers anyway especially with John Brown I'm trying to think who would be a fun one there um, why, don't, why don't you get your Cole Beasley Lucrace then? Thirtieth um, overall pick, get Rondo Moore. I was gonna say Tony probably doesn't make it thirty. I forgot they're picking Tony something. might. 
Tony, Tony might. He could. I'm such a huge I, I think guy. I've seen I've seen Rashad Bateman's average like expected draft positions like top of the second round. If he's there for the Bills, like that would be a home run from Rashad, a fit standpoint. Rashad Bateman is my wide receiver four right now. Oh no, and he should be pretty like he's really good. Like yeah, he should be like a premier pick. I don't understand why yeah. we're even having this conversation. No, he he's a four three wide receiver now, so you got to put some respect on Rashad Bateman's name. Hey. But then also for the Bills, if that pick 30 of uh, value falls at the edge position, I think that could also be a solid pick there. Uh, yeah, I just don't see the value being there. I just don't see value in any of these first-round edge rushers. Yeah. You're outside not of maybe – it's less like Rousseau kind of fell and you fall in love with what he does. I mean, and that's the type of team I could see like him or Baltimore. I just wouldn't take any of these edge rushers. They're like- also like – fundamentally flawed and okay here's one more rant i'm gonna go on so a lot of people say to take edge rushers because you know they're it's a high paying position and they're cheap mm-hmm. but when you're taking these project guys it's taking them until their third or fourth year to be good what are you really getting from that at that point right that's my big thing with edge rushers i think the concept of taking them is like in the first round because they're this premium position is incredibly overrated yeah i don't think dev edge rushers in the first round makes a lot of sense to me that's why uh, especially in the first half like people who are like rousseau uh like rousseau is a very polarizing guy people are underrating this people either hate gregory rousseau or they absolutely love him and think he should still be a top 10 pick i'm in that camp what's funny is and it doesn't even matter until you see him get drafted and whatever he does like no one will have a clue that's the best part about this Yep. Uh, who do I have first round edge grades on? I think I have Rousseau pending where he goes, right? If he goes top 10, then I'm going to pull my hair out. So he's later half. I like Osai and Basham are the two guys that I'm kind of bullish on in this edge class. Like, but, but like even the fact that like they're not really high with other people kind of shows like that it's not like consensus. Like I don't think there's an edge rusher you can sit there in this class and actually feel comfortable taking round one. Yeah, a lot of people love pay. I'm not in that crowd, though. Not a huge quitty pay guy. I mean, like I said, I think there's a lot of solid, like, second-round guys that are going to get propped up because everyone wants, like, a pass rusher. Yeah, I can make sense. This is a relatively deep edge rusher class, too. Like, last year was absolute crap. This one, is, I like this one in terms of not the top-end guy, but it's about 10 guys deep of guys that I think are going to be solid. Yeah, my model darling, uh, Jordan Smith's going to be a baller. Just wait wait and see. Jordan Smith. I like Patrick Jones from – he's Pitt. Yeah, I like uh, Phillips from Miami. He needs to – He's going in the first, though. You think so? I mean, I'm just looking at expected draft position. Mm. I don't necessarily know if I'd want to take Jalen Phillips in the first round. I mean, I, I think for the sound of it, from most of us, I don't think we want to take any edge rusher in the first round. I'll take Boogie for the name, Boogie Basham. Just phew. I do. Oh, yeah, I mean that that that'll sell you. That'll sell you some like um, tickets there if he ends up being good. Get on that Jets, Boogie and Juju, Juju and Boogie. You know what we're renaming the podcast right now to Juju and Boogie. Oh, I'm all in. Uh, I think that's gonna wrap it up. Wow, uh, came in here, had a lot to go through, and I think we got through it. Did we do an hour? I don't know. We can't see the times here, but. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. If you guys are on the YouTube, make sure you, if you enjoy the content and you stick around all to the end, you better subscribe, dude. If you sat here through at least an hour 
of podcast listening and you ain't subscribed yet, you were definitely engaged because it's YouTube. You can click off easy. So if you made it to the end of this, make sure you subscribe if you're on the YouTube. If you're listening on podcasts, whether it's you know Spotify, Apple Podcasts, just thank you so much for supporting and listening. If you guys can share with a friend, anybody, if you know any Dolphins, Patriots, Bills, uh, Jets fans, even though they don't exist really, go ahead and share this with them. Any support, any sharing will be greatly appreciated. It's Blake Sorensen and Justin Dunbar. Peace and love.